Welcome to our crop insurance podcast presented by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. This podcast is intended to educate and ultimately help you take less risk and make more money. We host trusted experts who break down various topics to help you make more informed decisions. I'm your host, Tony Jacina, Senior Vice President of Insurance and Consumer Lending here at Farm Credit Services America and Frontier Farm Credit. Today, I'm joined by Matt Erickson, Agriculture Economic and Policy Advisor for Farm Credit Services America and Frontier Farm Credit, and Paul Niefer, who is a CPA, tax principal, an agribusiness and business advisor specializing in income taxation and accounting services related to farmers and processors. We've invited these guys on to help us understand some current economic factors that are playing into your ARC and PLC decisions and why you might need a more detailed review this year. So let's jump right in. Producers have until March 15th to make a crop insurance decision for 2024. So as we're talking with customers, we've been stressing the need to take a fresh look at our crop insurance needs. Just because your decision worked out last year doesn't mean it will work in 2024. So Matt, could you discuss some of the economic changes that producers need to account for when developing their 2024 risk management plan? Sure. Thanks, Tony. And uh, glad to be with you guys um, on, on today's podcast. And, you know, I think when we think about risk management and we think about, you know, 2024 compared to the past uh, couple years, I think farmer sentiment right now is changing a little bit where farmers are feeling uh, some uh, some cost price squeeze um, in their operations. Commodity prices are going down, inputs um, are, are increasing. And so I think the golden rule, you know, when we talk about, you know, how to plan, how to think about your risk management uh, strategies and practices is first and foremost, know forward and backward your, your break-even price. You know, I think that's the golden rule where we have to know, you know, what that break-even price is for, for each commodity that we have on our operations. And then once we figure that out, I think we can understand, you know, how you can lower those break-even costs in a tight margin environment. So I think, you know, within an overall strategy, that's kind of the, the golden rule to think about is your break-even uh, price for your operation. So I've got three factors that I want to talk uh, through here a little bit in terms of overall risk management strategies and then, you know, kind of placing it within, within the overall agricultural economy. First and foremost is making sure that you have a strong balance, uh, balance sheet and that it's resilient, today's, resilient in today's agricultural economy. That means, you know, managing working capital is critical. Uh, it's better working management capital uh, serves as a buffer to market volatility. I think, you know, working capital is the basic premise of, of a solid risk management plan. Second is manage volatility. Um, understand historical seasonality trends for commodities is really important. I know we continue to do that every year, but I think this year, as we go through this cost price squeeze, you know, uh, understanding these seasonality trends will be really important. I think a couple of questions with regard to managing volatility uh, will be important. You know, are there are there risks throughout the growing season that I'm worried about? And you know, some of the decisions that we make today. You know, we can't predict the future, but we can make the decisions today if we're worried about some of those risks within uh, within the growing year. Are there products that, you know, producers can purchase to help alleviate and protect revenue against the, the revenue side of the ledger? I think that's also important to think about um, as, as part of your risk management strategy. Third and, and final um, would be to mitigate, to, to mitigate your downside risk, but also remember to take advantage of upside opportunity when it comes into play. 
So that means this is kind of the action phase of the three-step approach. And that's basically telling you to employ marketing strategies when it makes sense for your operation. Set floors when the market says it's time to act. That basically means that you have to know your margin, you know, forwards and backwards um, for, for 2024. And so, you know, take advantage of those profitable sales opportunities, um, you know, when they come about and understand that hitting the market high is nearly impossible. Do what's comfortable within your margin. Yeah, Matt, those are excellent points. You know, we're, uh, you know, our lenders are getting into, you know, balance sheet, you know, in line of uh, discussions as we're doing line of credit renewals. And uh, it's interesting where, you know, we've seen a, a huge difference in the financial performance of operations where uh, producers took advantage of opportunities that were available last year. You know, think about, you know, uh, corn on the balance sheet with a six in front of it maybe a year ago. And if they didn't take advantage of some of those market opportunities throughout the year, uh, you've seen a lot of erosion in the balance sheet just because the, you know, the commodity didn't get sold for what it was on the balance sheet for a year ago. And then now, you know, you're looking at a further squeeze when you just look at the current market environment has not been uh, favorable yet this year either. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, you know, as, as I always say in terms of, you know, the, the planning, you know, season is, you know, a, a pencil does have an eraser and it's okay to erase things and sensitize your budgets. And so, you know, when you get more of the cost ledger side of the things kind of locked in, you know, knowing your margin also means knowing, you know, the different price and yield scenarios that make sense for your revenue and to capture the, to capture the margin and optimize the margin that you can for, for the upcoming year. Yeah. And, and Matt, you also talked about taking advantage of ways to mitigate, you know, kind of the downside. And uh, and I want to pick Paul's brain here for a second, because, you know, the last couple of years, you know, the decisions you made around ARC and PLC uh, didn't really uh, yeah. have much impact as far as mitigating downside risk. But um, but I think that's changed uh, this year. So so, Paul, let's change gears. Let's talk about ARC and PLC considerations. And so. As producers are looking at those farm bill elections, um, you know, we've extended the 2018 farm bill. Um, so what should producers be thinking about when, when concerning PLC and ARC decisions heading into this current environment? Yeah, thanks, uh, Matt and Tony. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just share some slides here. So, you know, the ARC and, as you mentioned, the ARC and PLC decision, why is this year different? You know, the last few years, unless you really had a drastically lower or reduction in your yields for the county, ARC generally didn't pay and certainly PLC did not even come close to paying. So why is 2024 different? Well, we have an increase in effective reference prices. So, you know, corn had historically been stuck at the 370 level since 2014. Uh, this year it's actually increased, the same with soybeans. But more importantly, in my opinion, we actually have an increase in what we call the benchmark price for ARC. And what is the benchmark price? Well, it's the Olympic average price. And what is Olympic average? You take the last five years of MYA prices, the mid-year average price for corn or soybeans or wheat, and you throw out the high and you throw out the low and you take that average and that's the benchmark price. And it's in some cases, it's substantially higher than what the effective reference price is. So that likely leads us to thinking that ARC is gonna be better off than PLC. Now, the one area, and certainly uh, you have to discuss this with your crop insurance agent, 
if you need to take SEO or want to elect SEO, you do have to elect PLC. But I think for at least in the Iowa market, at least in my opinion, I typically don't see too much SEO, uh, but that may change for your operation. And then again, as we mentioned, or as Matt mentioned, we have a deep compression in crop margins. You know, it may be difficult uh, based on current prices to even have a break even this year as compared to the last three years. So what is our effective reference price? Corn increases from 370 to 401, likely for the 2025 crop. Now we're talking 24 crop, but for the 25 crop, if the farm bill extends it, uh, it will actually go up to 426. That's the maximum it can reach. Your maximum is 115% of the regular reference price. And then soybeans for this year increases from 840 up to 926, and likely it'll be 966 for the 2025 crop. Now wheat remains at 550, could be a little bit of a bump in 2025, I know in your market, Iowa, not much wheat, but certainly South Dakota, uh, Nebraska, and so on, there's a fair amount of wheat. So that's something to be uh, uh, cognizant of. What's our benchmark price? Corn, it's 485 compared to the 401 effective reference price. And then on, uh, so that means if your county yield stays exactly the same as the benchmark yield, and again, the benchmark yield is you take the last five years and you skip the sort of the previous years. So this five year for the 24 crop is based on the five years through 2022. Throw out the high, throw out the low, and then you take that average. So if your current yield for that county for this year stays the same, corn on ARC will make a payment if you if the price drops below 417. Now, if your county yield is down five or 10%, you definitely are gonna get an ARC payment. Whereas if your county yield is higher, then the price would have to drop even lower. Now, the outlook just came out from USDA and, and they're projecting a 440 corn price for this year. Now we'll see, it could be, that could be accurate or it might be 10, 20, 30 cents lower or higher. Uh, beans, it's you know 11, 12 compared to 926. So that's almost $2 higher. So beans below 956 pays if the yields are constant. Now, I think the outlook came out with about $11, $11 and change. So that's still quite a ways to go. Then on wheat, 621 compared to 550, that doesn't, uh, you know, wheat would have to drop below 534 if yields are constant. Uh, that means PLC would actually kick in quicker than ARC would on wheat. But again, if your yields are down like they were out in my country last year, I have uh, a cropland out in Washington state and we had drought and our yields were down about 30 to 45%. So, you know, that uh, potentially could have been a payment then. Hey, your PLC yield is 180 bushels per acre. Your benchmark yield is 200. We take that, we multiply that by the benchmark price. It's 485. We got $970 of what we call benchmark revenue. Our maximum that we collect on ARC, remember there is a maximum on ARC and there's not on PLC other than the overall $125,000 per producer payment limit. So we have a maximum limit of $97 per acre. Our benchmark guarantee is 86% of that number. So until our actual harvest revenue drops below 834.20, we're not gonna collect anything. So let's just look at what the prices might be. 
if our county yield is exactly equal to our benchmark yield, you know, at 450, we're going to collect nothing. If it dropped down to $4, then we would collect $34 of ARC and $1.80 of PLC, because remember, 401 is where PLC starts kicking in. And that dropped all the way down to $3. Uh, we'd have a tentative payment of 234 on ARC, but remember we're limited to $97, and PLC would kick in $180, $181.80. Now, certainly nobody is rooting for pricing to drop all the way down to $3, but could it? You know, we don't know, so that's something to just to be aware of. And then over on the soybean side, again, we go through the same analysis. I kept the yields exactly the same. I could have dropped the yields. But certainly if our harvest price is exactly equal to the effective reference price, uh, we would get a payment on soybeans. We would get um, no payment on PLC. Then if soybeans were $850, uh, we'd have a $58 payment on ARC, a $38 payment on PLC. And then finally, if we drop all the way down to $8, that's at the point where PLC payment would be higher than ARC payment. Now, I don't think we're gonna get that low, but this just gives you an idea of the type of payments that you might see. Now over on the wheat side, we go through the same analysis, uh, you know, at $7 of harvest price, which I think, uh, I think the current estimate is somewhere in the six range. Um, you know, we'd actually see a tentative payment. Uh, now this is where I did drop the county yield. So that's why we're showing a payment here. Um, and, and you can see, Tentative payment at 550 is 97.25, but we're limited to 49.68. There's no PLC payment. And then finally, if we drop all the way down to about $5, we're looking at about a $35 PLC payment and we're still maxed out on wheat. So, you know, we can run all the what ifs. You know, this, this little spreadsheet is just designed to, you know, sort of do some what ifs. Um, but that's sort of what we're looking at in most situations is ARC will pay quicker, especially on corn, uh, than PLC will pay. Now that's assuming uh, we don't have a dramatic increase in yields. Uh, if we have a dramatic increase in yields and the price really drops, then likely, you know, PLC is actually going to pay a little bit quicker due to the fact that the county yield has gone up so much. So this is the first year and probably since 2018 or 2019, where due to the fact that the benchmark price has gone up so much, and next year the benchmark price is gonna be even higher because we're gonna throw in the 2023 price and we're gonna get rid of the 2018 price. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely see an increase in the benchmark price. So if we have this discussion next year, if the farm bill extends ARC and PLC, uh, you're really going to see ARC and PLC start paying in 2025. I'll turn it back to Tony and Matt to uh, ask me any questions if you have any questions. Yeah, that, thanks, Paul. That was very helpful. So as I look through those, I mean, you tried to, I think you summarized it pretty well. If you're, if you're looking at uh, your concern are prices, whether prices might slightly move higher, or if your concern is that they're going to move lower, it looked like both corn, soybeans, and, and wheat, ARC was likely the, the more viable option. If your concern is both lower prices and lower yields, then uh, PLC um, probably needs to be considered, especially with PLC, because then you can add on SEO. 
Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. You know, you can still do ECO with either ARC or PLC, but if you want to add on SCO, then you have to elect uh, PLC. Also, a lot of farmers have multiple farms. You know, they're not just one farm with the local office. So they may look at it and say, hey, on these three farms, maybe we'll elect ARC. And on these three farms, we might elect PLC, especially if they're likely going to be substantially over the payment limit. You might as well sort of, you know, even out your risk and spread it out between ARC and PLC. Yeah, that's you can hedge your risk a little bit that way. Now, another uh, consideration uh, that comes into play um, when you start looking at ARC and PLC is that both of those pay on base acres. And so I, I think it's important consideration for folks to look at what, what am I considering for planted acres relative to base acres? And, you know, if you're going to have a, a big mismatch there, then, you know, some of these other options might come into play. Like if you don't, if you've got a lot of exposure where you, you don't have a lot of base acres, but you're planting a lot of acres, um, then would you suggest people look at PLC and SCO um, or else ECO also is another option because both ECO and SCO will pay on uh, planted acres versus base acres. Yeah. And, and of course, the, the other, I, I guess I wouldn't call it issue, but SEO and ECO is also based on the county yield. So, you know, if, if, your, if your yields track pretty well with the county, you know, if the county's down, you're down. If the county is up, you're up. Then that's really a, a pretty good option. But if your yields are substantially different every year from the county or potentially are. Uh, the other option, too, you remember on on both ARC, CO, and PLC, it pays on 85% of base acres. You know, if if you have highly variable ground, you might want to consider ARC-IC uh, because in that situation, it is based, you're going to get paid based on what you plant. You know, ARC County and PLC, it, it doesn't matter what you plant, you're just going to be paid on your base acres, whereas IC potentially you could get a benefit there, especially if you have highly variable ground. You know, I have a lot of sandy ground or, or something that one year, well, like my Missouri ground, I have a ground in Missouri on my dry island down there. One year it was 190 bushels, next year it was 17. So, you know, oh, potentially wow. ARC IC would really make sense in that case. Now, the penalty with ARC IC is you only get paid on 65% of base acres, not 85%. So that's why I think historically, IC has been about 3% of, of the acres enrolled has been in IC. And and that would be because of volatility or you have a big mismatch relative to how you perform compared to the county. You know, some exactly. pockets you might have like a lot of, you know, prevent plant issues or, you know, things like that that could come into play. So, And, and there's also a rule of thumb. Let's say that you have a farm. Let's say the county average on corn is is 200 bushels per acre. And you have a farm that historically is averaged, let's say your PLC yield on that is 130. Well, in that situation, you actually want to elect ARC County because the county yield is so much higher than, the, than your PLC yield. Uh, and then conversely, let's say your PLC yield for your uh, farm is 250 bushels and the county yield is, let's say, um, uh, 150, 
in that situation, likely you will probably want to lean toward PLC. So there is some rule of thumbs. You know, if your PLC yield is lower than the county yield, you're going to lean toward ARC. Conversely, if your PLC yield is substantially higher than the county yield, then you're going to lean toward PLC. Yeah, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, you, you look at kind of some of those scenarios, it doesn't, doesn't take much of an impact where you're talking, you know, 50, 7,500 bucks an acre uh, yeah. on these operations. And you look at, you know, Matt's comments earlier about, you know, our best defense is your balance sheet and your working capital. That's the shock absorber for the operation. So, you know, these ARC and PLC considerations coupled with, you know, the whole balance of your risk management plan, it probably never meant more free operation than it does this year. Yeah, exactly. And again, we have to also be cognizant that these payments will not come in this year. You know, the earliest the payments would hit your balance sheet is October of 2025. So that there is a delay. So that is something you have to be cognizant of. Yeah, there's just a lot of things to consider. And, and I'm just going to put in a plug that, you know, it's not business as usual. There's a lot more things to consider than just what we've had in front of us the last couple of years. Uh, I'd, I'd highly recommend you work with, you know, a trusted advisor that has access to the tools so that you can do those what-if scenarios like that Paul mentioned. So, you know, what is your yield? What's your operation look like? What do your base acres and planted acres look like? And, you know, we've equipped our team members to with those types of tools so we can help producers as they make a more informed decision uh, because it is critical this year. Yeah, and we have to remember, you know, right now USDA is projecting about a $2.5 billion carryout on corn. But if they're low on their acres and their acres for corn is only 91 million, what if it's really 94 million? That's an extra 3 million acres at 180 bushels per acre. That's 500 million bushels of excess corn. You know, potentially the carryback carryout is going to be 3 billion. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the 440 they're projecting, if we have a 3 billion Bushel carryout 440 is going to be the high for the year, not the low. So, uh, um, you know, we just have to be careful of that. Yeah. And I don't want I don't want to sound doomy and gloomy because there will be. We know there's always going to be a weather scare. You know, we had one last year, uh, and it drove the pricing very very high. This year, a weather scare might drive it up 50 cents, not two bucks. Yeah, and and back to Matt's points earlier, you know put a floor in, take risk off the table, capture opportunities if that were to happen. But if you're playing the odds, historically, you'd say don't bet against the American farmer's ability to produce. And so the trend yeah. is likely <clears throat> flat or lower, right, Matt? Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I think, um, you know, to Paul's point, you know, when we think about risk management, what I think is so important for producers to think about is to focus on the known and not the unknown. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you look at a point of time where we just came off of 95 million acres of, of plantings for corn, I mean, basically a lot of comparisons right now are going back to 14. And when we think about 2014, kind of that downward, you know, part of the commodity cycle, the difference was when you go back to 2014, trendline yields were about 162, 163 maybe. And each subsequent WASD in the summer drove that yield up to 170. We had a pretty good yield or pretty good yield uh, that year. The difference between this year or this coming year, the 24 crop versus that of 14-15 is basically if we have 181, you know, 
181, 180, you know, bushel per acre yield, that's a lot of corn. And that's going to serve as a buffer to, you know, 90, 91 million acres of corn. And on top of that, I think, while yield, I think, will get a lot of attention, where's demand? And so when we think about, you know, feed and residual, you know, that type of estimate, you know, on the balance sheet that USDA puts out, I mean, cattle, cattle inventory from a totality perspective, we're at the lowest since 1951. Uh, hogs, we all know the hog, you know, market situation, it wasn't relatively good in uh, last year. The, the breeding herd isn't likely to increase. So, you know, the, the demand situation for feed is going to be, you know, kind of, you know, just there um, for 24, 25. Um, ethanol, there's a little bit of growth that we're seeing there, but not enough to really, you know, temper down that stocks to use ratio that could happen. Exports, we're right at the 10-year average. Um, you know, if the macro economy, if things get tighter, it's likely we have a stronger dollar. That makes things worse off from a trading perspective for for U.S. for for U.S. products. Those are the things that are that that are known. And so, you know, I think when we put those risk management risk, risk management strategies together, it's important to have that perspective. Really appreciate the discussion, uh, Matt and Paul. You know, just a, a quick recap. You know. Volatility is, as Matt just mentioned, is probably at an all-time high, or at least the uncertainty, um, because of what's known is not favorable. Know your break-evens. Uh, know your farms. So do you have a lot of variability in your farms, variation in, in how they perform relative to the county? Understand your base acres versus what you uh, intend to plant for acres this year. Um, take opportunities to put in a good floor from a risk management perspective, and then capitalize on those opportunities if and when they come available. So those are my takeaways. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, our uh, viewers uh, can benefit from this discussion as well. So uh, with that, just remember, you know, your crop insurance policy gives you a guaranteed minimum on your crop revenue. Nothing else in farming is gonna guarantee you money. And the only financial guarantee in farming comes from your crop insurance policy. So with that, Matt and Paul, uh, thank you for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today.